We're in a team this morning. It's called Fight the Good Fight, and we have the privilege today. It's Freedom Sunday, so turn to your neighbor and say, it's Freedom Sunday. And it's Freedom Sunday for a couple reasons. A couple years ago, July 2nd, 1776, Continental Congress voted in favor of independence. Two days later, delegates from the 13 colonies adopted the Declaration of Independence, a document drafted by Thomas Jefferson declaring, declaring freedom from British rule. We as people, we've been fighting a long time. So many different things that we've been fighting for. And as America and as a country this week on July 4th, we celebrate the freedom that we once penned, that we once joined together, and we once united for. Men and women got together and they believed for something great. Men and women got together and they believed in this country. They believed in God. They believed in a religious liberty and freedom. They believed in the independence and not being governed by dictatorship. There was men and women who got together and said, we will fight and we will give our lives and we're going to give our blood to stand united because we believe in God and we believe in America. And 200 years later, I think God is asking us to do the same. We can't be quiet and lay down right now. We need to stand together for the country that was given to us. This country was given to us by God. This country, this land, this time that we are still alive was given to us by God so that we, number one, we continue to believe in him and we believe in the America that God has given to every one of us. It will be free if we fight for freedom. It will be free if we fight for our kids. Or we could just be quiet. Or we can just lay down. With that, we're going to do our opening verse this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And it says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. If God's calling us to fight, if God's calling us to stand and believe with one another, if God's calling us to be united, be strong, and that doesn't start in the gym. That doesn't start, that doesn't start by working out and getting buff. That doesn't start by going to Walmart and collecting all the goods that we can in toilet paper, which is an important thing. It doesn't start by going to Big Five or other shops and collecting as many guns that we can. God is calling us to fight this morning, but the fight that he needs us to start with, it's a spiritual fight. The things that he's calling us, hi Sam. The things that he's calling us to do, the things that he's calling us to stand up for, it starts spiritually. Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And how much of our days and our time how many of us know that outwardly, outwardly, how many of us have ever gotten frustrated with at least one person in our life? How many of us have ever been angry with another person? How many of us have ever felt like punching somebody really hard? How many of us have ever said one thing, one word to someone 
that maybe was inappropriate and we shouldn't have said. You see, outwardly, we're expressing what's going on inwardly. Then we blame it on everybody else. It's all their faults, and I'm frustrated, and I'm angry. All the while, we're ignoring what spiritually is going on inside of us. There is a fight inside of us, spiritually, that is going on. And with that, our intro text, Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. They arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Gunnarenesis. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to, to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling, cutting himself with sharp stones. Jesus was still some distance away. The man saw him. He ran to meet him, and he bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirit begged him again and again not to send him to some distant place. And so this morning as we start to paint a picture of our text, we see that there was a man, and he was described as a man that could not be restrained. This was a man who they would put shackles and chains on his feet, on his hands. And this man, he could not be restrained. He was unrestrained because there was something inside of him. There was something inside of him that no one could see. No one could see what was inside of this man. And whatever it was that was inside of this man, it caused him to be unrestrained. No one could restrain him. No one could slow him down. Nothing could stop this guy, even heavy shackles and chains. He lived unrestrained because he had a demon inside of him that actually gave his body physical strength, it says, to break chains and shackles. We see that this man, he lived a crazy life. He wandered around every day, kind of like homeless, not knowing where to settle, not knowing where to go, not knowing where to live. I'm just going to live in the caves, and I'm going to go from this cave to that cave. Whichever cave I find for the day, for the night, he wandered. He was unable to sit. He was uneasy. He was consumed with darkness. He was restless. There was such a big uneasiness inside of him that he couldn't sit for a minute. He had to continually wonder. We see that he liked to howl like a dog barking at the moon, and he cut himself. He was expressing outwardly what he was feeling on the inside. He was screaming. He was crying out. He was begging. And he was even cutting himself with sharp stones because of the sharp pain that he had in his heart, his mind, and his soul. We don't know what happened to this man. We don't know why he got possessed. But as he got possessed, his life was turned upside down. As soon as Jesus gets close, we see something happens. You know, this man did not run away from Jesus. 
this man, even though there was so many demons inside of him, he didn't run away from Jesus. He ran and knelt before Jesus. He said, don't hurt me. This demon, and it wasn't just one, there was more than one demon. They were giving a physical strength and power to this guy. But he knew the moment he saw Jesus that there was a greater power now standing in front of him. He had, think about the power to break off any handcuff and any chain at any second. Think about the power to rip off shackles off your feet like they were nothing. This guy, this demon, the possession, yes, there was a physical strength. But as this physical strength saw Jesus, the Son of God, what did it have to do? It bowed before Jesus because there was a greater power, a greater power, someone more powerful than the demon that was in the man. Jesus said, what's your name? And he said, legion. A legion in this day was an army unit. Over 5,000 men. Over 5,000 men. And this man said he's being possessed by a legion. He didn't just have one demon, two demons. He had lots of demons. And he was crazy. And so outwardly and inwardly, we see everything that was going on inside of this man. And I wonder today, does that sound familiar with people that we meet and see? Does it sound familiar to people that we've ever met? And, and there are people, you know, let's be honest, that we've met, and in an instant we're like, oh, they're possessed, right? Let's be honest. Somebody we don't like, you know, getting pulled over by a cop at a moment we didn't think we should have got pulled over, right? How many of us, let's be honest, there's many people we meet. We probably never stop and ask ourselves, man, I don't believe any of us are in here are possessed this morning. But I do think we're oppressed. Because I do think demons are out there, just as they were then, they are today. And they're trying to oppress God's people. And they're trying to oppress God's children. And so we see people today outwardly acting of what's going on on the inside. We're not howling. Well, I don't know what you do at night. But we're not howling and cutting ourselves. I, don't, I believe that all of us in here, we, don't, we wouldn't do that. But I do believe we live in a crazy generation today. And I believe that things have kind of shifted. You know, in, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, we see that when demons uh, affected people, when demons would possess people, they physically would cause a change. There was a physical change to these people who couldn't speak. They would throw themselves in the fire. For this guy, he would cut himself. Today, I think there's a little different shift. And I think there is a shift in what we can't see. And I'll put it to you this way. I think people today struggle to struggle, if you look in the dictionary, it's to go against a natural rhythm in life. Our habits, our comfort, to face resistance and opposition leads to struggle. So every day, our bodies and our minds, we're used to certain habits, certain things that we do, comfort every single day. When things oppose our habits and our comfort, that causes struggle. Struggle then either pushes us to run or leads us to become stronger. Thoughts drive emotions. It is said that people, what we think, we become. Thoughts are more powerful than I think this morning most of us understand. They determine how we feel, how we make decisions, and even the actions that we take. Thoughts create who we are. Thoughts create 
self-perpetuating cycles inside of our brain. Thoughts create self-perpetuating cycles inside of our brain. Thoughts become perception. Perception becomes reality. Thoughts create physical matter in our brain. Thoughts create physical matter in our brain. They influence our moods, our habits, our behaviors. 95% of our thoughts are in our subconscious or our non-conscious brain, which means that our conscious brain, while we're awake, we have no idea sometimes what the subconscious is thinking. 95% thoughts going on in our non-conscious, subconscious brain all the time. And sometimes those do translate, right, into our conscious brain. 80% of our thoughts are said to be negative every single day. 95% of our thoughts are repetitive. Do you know that our brain sometimes can't tell the difference between reality and our thoughts? 60,000 thoughts per day. The beginning and the front part of our brain full of billions of neurons and cells. 95% of the brain activity in our unconscious brain, unaware of what's going on. And every day, there's intrusive thoughts. Turn to your neighbor and say, hmm, intrusive thoughts. An intrusive thought comes from stress or anxiety. That's not us. We don't ever get stressed or have anxiety, right? I'm sure that kids today never have any kind of stress or anxiety. Intrusive thoughts that come into our brain through our subconscious every single day. So we live in this physical weird world, right? And it's a weird world sometimes. We live in this physical world, but what we don't realize every single day, it's dominated by the spiritual world. And as it's dominated by the spiritual world, that means there's so many things that we can't see. And as we were to take a look into ourself, what's one thing that we visibly can't see? Our thoughts. But how powerful are the thoughts? If we as people studied 80% of our thoughts negative every single day, if 95% of those thoughts are re repetitive every single day, if thoughts, the more you think about thoughts, become repetition, and then we become and force and try and drive a reality. Let me put it to you this way. Have you ever said to yourself, I wonder what this person's going to do when I say this to them? I wonder how they're going to react. Have you ever gone over that in your brain? I need to tell this to somebody. And you'd say over and over again, maybe quitting a job. How's my boss going to react? Or I need to say this to my kid and going over in your brain. This is what I need to think. This is what I, what, I'm, what I need to say to them. And so you start thinking over and over again. This repetition starts going. And as that repetition starts going, you finally have the moment. And as the moment arrives, it goes exactly like you thought it would. And then we take a step back and we go, Wow. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was imagining. The thought life and what we just read through, the more we think, the more it becomes a habit, the more it becomes perception and reality in our life. And then we take a step back. If 80% of our thoughts are negative and yet we're thinking negative about other people and we start repetitively thinking negative about other people, when we have an interaction with them, guess what it's going to be? Negative. 
And this is no time to say, well, it's their fault, right? Because it's always their fault. It's never our own fault. This is never, it's never my fault. It's always their fault, right? It's always their fault. And so we looked at a story, and I wanted to highlight a man who had some struggles because he was possessed by a demon. He was just, not even one demon, possessed by legions of demons, right? And so physically, we see a man who is troubled. But today, I think we live in an age where I think Satan and his boys, where do they try to hit us the most? I try to think, I think they hit us the most right here in our brains, in our thoughts. If Satan and the devil know they can change perception and reality by our thoughts. If Satan knows, I just got to plant some intrusive thoughts in there. I just need to plant a few seeds of doubt. I need to plant a few seeds of negativity. I need to plant a few seeds of division. I need to plant a few seeds of this. I need to plant a few seeds of this. Satan knows one of the greatest battles that we live in is our thought life. If it is today, the day that we live in, the generation where more people are lost than ever, more people are confused than ever, more people are hopeless now than ever, where does it all come from? comes from what's up here in our thought life. This is the day. This is the time that we live in. Where does it start? We don't realize this, but so many times we open doors and we open windows to the spiritual realm. So many times we don't understand the people that we are around. They influence us for good or bad. Black and white, it's that simple. The people you hang out with, the things that you listen to, the things that you watch, they influence every single thing about you, good or bad. It's not, ah, in the middle. It is who we hang out with, we become. What we listen to changes our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. What we watch either drives our brain to good or just not good. And so without realizing, I don't know if you guys, you know, when I was young, of course, there was a couple moments when me and my friends wanted to play with the Ouija board. I don't know if you guys, you know, ever did that, right? And you're, you're trying to touch this thing, and all of a sudden, everybody starts elevating in the room, and you're glowing. Just kidding, that didn't happen. But you're, you're like hoping that something spiritual is going to change. There are people who play card games calling on a spiritual realm. There are people who play board games, and it is trying to tap into a spiritual realm. And then what people don't realize is they're trying to tap into something different than God. They start to become oppressed, and some of them even become possessed. You know, in the 60s, I don't know if you know this, but there was a number of bands that, you know what they used to do? They would get together, and they wanted demon possession. Famous bands in the 60s and 70s, they would get in circles, and they would play drums, and they would invite demons to come and possess their bodies. We have no idea what we do when we try to step out of the physical world and get into the spiritual world. Now, there are some believers today, there are Christians who they want to go so far spiritually north, it passed the North Pole. And they try to go so far past spiritual that they're no earthly good. There are people who live past the North Pole spiritually, and they think that they're just going to dwell there all the time while neglecting that God has still left them here on the earth. With that, we're going to go to our second text, and that's Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 14. It says this, One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. When the demon was gone, the man began to speak. 
The crowds were amazed, but some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He knew their thoughts, so he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? If I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have just said. But if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me actually working against me. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I'm going to return to the person I came from. And it returns, fine, its former home, all swept up in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter that person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. There's a man in this story, our second text, was a man who couldn't speak. He couldn't speak. He, it wasn't that he had a speech problem. It's not something that he was just born with and he couldn't talk. The reason he could not talk was because he was demon-possessed. The demon was controlling this man's tongue and mouth and words, holding it, closing it so that this man could not speak. Jesus, in the story, we see that he rebukes the demon again, and he shows that he is the powerful one who has power over the physical world and the spiritual world, that there was no man, that there was no person, that there was no demon who could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jesus Christ because he would rebuke any demon that he got close to. We see in the story those religious guys, and these religious people always, again, if we're 80% negative today, just like they were then, 80% of them, when they were around Jesus, what were they? They were negative. What did they say? Their thoughts. How does this man have such power? How does this guy so powerful? How does he do so many things? But instead of joining Jesus, what did they do? Out of their jealousy. Out of jealousy. And this is where many don't see sometimes jealousy, which causes the negativity, which leads to thoughts, which leads to perception, which leads to reality. The religious in this story, always negative towards Jesus because they were jealous of Jesus. And they said, you are empowered by the devil. Jesus goes on to say, how can, how can the devil cast out the devil? How does the devil beat himself up? If a devil was fighting against the devil, he says the kingdom, it won't stand. It's divided. And so this morning we get to our title for today. Say, thank God. Many of us this morning as we're in our theme, fight the good fight, what we don't understand is we're fighting what we ignore. We're fighting what we ignore. And what many of us this morning are ignoring of the thoughts that are in here, the spiritual aspect of life that is inside of us. There's so many things that go on on a daily, 60,000 thoughts 
Think about this. If we have 60,000 thoughts a day, if 80% of those are negative, if we make that a habit and repetitive, continue to think on certain negative thoughts, we are pushing those thoughts to become perception and reality. We can't see our thoughts. Oh, we think them. We like to think, don't we? We think till our brain gets tired. We think a lot. But ignoring, not dealing with, not looking in the mirror to say, are these my thoughts? Now, question. If the devil and his demons affected and tormented and oppressed people in the Old Testament, does that mean that was just in the Old Testament, or do you think that maybe it still happens today? How many of us have ever looked at the New Testament and said, man, I love the New Testament, I love the Gospels, I love Jesus, the Old Testament, it's a little old for me. There are people who say that today. There's people who only believe in the New Testament, they don't want to believe in the Old Testament. There's people who only want to talk about the New Testament. They don't want to talk about the Old Testament. They don't want to talk about how we have to honor our parents who wants to do that. They don't want to talk about the laws, the Ten Commandments, that we should honor God only. We should only worship God only. We don't want to get too crazy today. We live in 2023. But in the Old Testament where it talks about blessing, oh, there's a lot of people who get behind the Old Testament when it talks about blessing. There's a lot of people who get behind the Old Testament that says prosperity, you're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. But why is it we don't want to get behind everything then in the Old Testament? If things happen in the Old Testament, just like they happen in the New Testament, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, my question is, as demons oppress and attack people back then, are we just so holy this morning that none of us are being oppressed? Are we so perfect this morning that the devil does not plant bad thoughts into our brain? See, every day I think that we fight. We're fighting things that we're trying to ignore. Because how many of us know, I don't know if you see this commercial with these two people who have friends coming over as they're looking at the walls in their house, they've got marks everywhere. And so they start shuffling the house and they're putting dressers and refrigerators and they're moving around because they want to cover the marks. But honestly, that's what we probably do every single day. A lot of us is we're covering the marks and scars of our life. Because there's things that we don't want to deal with and things that we want to ignore and things we want to sweep under the carpet so that nobody sees. And we're not here this morning to just, you know, open up and, you know, confess all the junk that we have in our life. None of us are perfect. We all have thoughts that are probably not right at times. The first story I read this morning was a man who was so troubled that he turned to cut in himself. He was spiritually uneasy. And I think this represents the day and the generation that we live in today. So many people we're spiritually uneasy. We're not able to find rest. We feel like we're wandering around trying to find the place. We feel like we wander from A to B all the way down to Z because we're trying to find the spot. We're trying to find this. Just like this man, he went from cave to cave to cave trying to find his way. He continually wandered because spiritually he was uneasy. He had no rest in his life. 
And I think secondly today, we live in a world that is greatly divided. I think today, in spiritually, religiously, I think in family, I think in homes, I think obviously in politics, that's a no-brainer. I think everywhere you go, there is such a great divide. There is a massive divide. How did the divide get there? Because we let things get planted in our brain. We let things planted in our brain. Those thoughts that used to be positive turn negative. Perception now turn to reality. Thank God there's hope. John 8.32 says this. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This week we celebrate July 4th. This is Freedom Sunday. This is the day where we get to stand and we get to talk about freedom. Our independence. We broke away from Great Britain. We broke away from a country, dictatorship and rule and control. Because none of us like controlling people. But we don't see the control in ourselves. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's only one place for freedom. No matter how hard we fight physically, no matter what we do with our mouth and our words and our actions, no matter if we stand together united, if we're not standing on the truth, we are not free. We're not free because there are things that every one of us are ignoring. Probably in here. I'm probably in here. What did Satan do in the very beginning? He took a little bit of truth Mixed it with some good syrup. He gave it to Eve. He gave her a little half-truth with a little lie. Jade it. What is he doing today? He's not dummy. If it worked then, it still works today. He's taking a little bit of truth, a little bit of a lie, and then intrusively putting that into your brain every single day. So it becomes a habit. It becomes repetitive. The only way to get free is to know the truth. John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. James 1, 25, if you look carefully, if we lost a million dollars in our house, we couldn't find it, it's misplaced. How careful would we be about looking for it? How determined if we lost a gold bracelet, necklace, earrings, gold shoes, whatever it may be that's important to us. How careful determined would be to look for it. James, Jesus' half-brother, he says, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, God will bless you for doing it. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 3.17 for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do we remember this part of our text this morning? When an evil spirit leaves, he goes to find rest, and he says to himself, what am I doing here? I was having fun troubling that person. I'm going to go back, but I'm going to bring six friends. They mentioned seven demons. Seven, the number of completeness. Why? Because there's seven things the devil wants to use to take control of your life. 
seven things, seven demons. If I can get these seven lies into their brain, I can take control. I can take control. So a house that is empty, not full of God, not full of his Holy Spirit, man, we're open game. We're open game to the devil. And the challenge is we live in a day and age where we're just so busy. Busyness, busyness, taking place, making excuses. I can't pray, read my Bible, or listen to worship because I'm too busy. I got too many things to do. Making daily habits. If, we, if our brain likes repetition, do we have the repetition? James, half-brother Jesus, if you look into here every day, you're going to find freedom. If you look into here every day, you're going to find freedom. If you're going to look here every day, you find freedom. You don't find it anywhere outside. You don't find it with your friends. We don't find it on our phones. We don't find it on our devices. We don't find it on the TV. We don't find it in certain stations. We find freedom in his word. And lastly, most importantly, Paul says in the Corinthians, freedom will be determined by what you're filled with. And there's only one spirit that can give you freedom. It's God's spirit. Are you filled with God's spirit this morning? Are you empowered by the Holy Spirit of God? Is he filling and consuming your heart, mind, and soul? Are the thoughts that are running through your brain, have you let them run out of control? Or are, is his Holy Spirit dominating and really, at the end of the day, the biggest question is, are we walking in the freedom that God intended to give every one of us? God wants us free. The sad thing is, many of us seek freedom, and sometimes many of us feel that we're free, but we'll, we're still in the shackles and the chains. We say we're free. See, the devil, what he promises is freedom. What did he say to Jesus? He said, if you bow down and worship me, Jesus, I'm going to give you the world. Ah, I'm going to give you the world. Man, if you just post this, I'm going to give you the world, right? If you just do this, if you just say this, if you just beat this, if you just do this, I'm going to give you the world. If you just watch this, if you just listen to this, I'm going to give you the world. Satan promises so much, but you know what happens? He delivers very little. Because we don't realize that thoughts, intrusive thoughts, becomes anxiety, stress, depression, loneliness, frustration, anger. And we can blame it on every single person in the world. It's all their fault. It's not my fault. I'm perfect. Nothing's wrong with me. But if you're not fighting the things that you want to ignore, then you're probably under control. With that this morning, I thought it was the perfect day to celebrate one of the greatest things we do as Christians, celebrate communion. As we celebrate communion this morning, communion stands, it says, to honor and remember what Jesus Christ did for us. 2,000 years ago, there was a contract written and signed in blood, and Jesus said, listen, 
I'm going to die for the sins of the world, that anyone who would believe, anyone who would follow after me, anybody who would take up their own cross, symbolizing their life, and follow after me, not themselves, but after me, Jesus said, I'm going to make them free. He said, if you honor me, remember me daily to remember, to partake in a new contract, communion. And so with that this morning, we're going to read our, our communion verse, Luke 22, verse 19. Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this is the cup, the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. This morning... This morning, our world, 7 billion people, they are looking for one thing. They are looking for freedom. And no matter how we try to portray ourselves, no matter how we try to dress it up and look, I'm pretty sure every one of us deals with thoughts that just aren't right. Oppressed, negative, habitual, repetitive. There's only one place that we can go for freedom. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus said one last thing this morning before we get ready to partake. As he was talking about demons, he said, when a person is guarding their house and they have weapons, if you're going to get broken into and you, you collect a few weapons and you feel safe and secure, Jesus said it's only good until there's someone bigger, stronger, more powerful, and more weapons shows up. Because then what are they going to do? They're going to blow you away. And the picture he was describing was himself. See, no matter how big and powerful we try to be, no matter how big and powerful demons try to influence, when we get under the power of God, there is no one stronger. There is nothing that can stand to the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ heals, saves, delivers, sets free. Jesus, the power of him this morning is true. So this morning we're going to sing one last song, but as we do, just a few closing thoughts. Our theme, fight the good fight. What does fight the good fight mean? What does fight the good fight mean? Paul saying, go after everything good with everything you have. Sweat, blood, tears, fight for what is right. Fight for what is good. Paul saying to Timothy, I know you're saved, but now it's time to step it up, to really put your heart, mind, and intention and energy to fight. And our topic today was finding what we ignore because this morning it's where the greatest battlefield is. It's the thoughts that's we're, that we're ignoring. It's the thoughts that we're letting become perception and reality that are changing. So what does God want us to do? Simply give our life to him every single day. Ask God, fill us. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit today. God, create in me a clean heart today. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. God, fill me, consume me. Content every day to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. To make changes step by step. Reading the only book that can set us free, the law of God.